What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Well, I don't have a life jacket, but it feels like we're going to have to either just keep one on in this market, because even when we start floating up towards the top, we take on some more water. It seems like we can't stop the leaking. When will we get a good enough catalyst to rip us through these levels? Netflix comes in and beats the subscribers, yet we're down a little bit on the day. I don't know what's going on in this market. Gonna have to find out from Dennis Dick. Stay tuned right here. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep, where we get our morning started. Let's rise and shine. A lot of topics today. And we got Frank Holmes on today, Executive Chairman, High Blockchain CEO, and Chief Investment Officer at U.S. Global Investors. Let's get Pre-Market started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, traders, let's get it started. Let's bring on Dennis Dick. Let's take a look at the SPY and the overnight action. And it looks like we just got close towards that 375 around. It looked like 715. Of course, I'm sure Netflix was helping out a little bit on that end. And then all of a sudden, overnight, it just starts leaking right back down. Mm -hmm. what did you see in that uh action yesterday dennis no exactly what you just described we had such an everything rally last night off of netflix which has held its gains but the everything rally started to leak overnight and leaky 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 and then just gives it all back and we're down so again it's like groundhog day around here the chasers punished once again, and I tweeted it yesterday when you were chasing with 375 spy. I said if you're if you're buying stocks up here, you're doing it backwards. Fading has worked in 2022. Not just fading, you know, the the rips, but fading the dips too. Buying, you know, on the weakness, selling into the strength. That is what is working. We have a 60-point turnaround here. Again, I'm gonna keep saying what is working the 2022 in 2022. Chasing stocks is not working. Chasing is not working we said it twice we'll keep saying it because i'm trying to pound it into your guys heads chasing is not working and if you are bullish and you think the low is in well you've got a dip to buy all of a sudden but i'm not in that camp i think we're still in the titanic bob up and down phase feel like the show is on groundhog day too because we're really going nowhere mitch but we're yeah. still doing the same thing but there's these are production days you know, you can still be making money even if the market's not moving anywhere just by fading all these little moves. So 
Obviously, you know, Netflix is very good news for the markets and moved up the tech sector. Tech stocks are outperforming a little bit here this morning. But you look overseas and Europe's a mess and China's a mess. And, you know, and then you've got some warnings from, you know, some companies, GNRC, which we can get to in a second. So, you know, we're still at the beginning of earnings season. We still have a lot more information to come in here. But right now, fading is what is working. And I will give a little bit. I don't have all the charts that Joe has, but I will at least give some I love comments. your charts, Mitch. Um, I love we have your the, charts. We have the DXY up today. So dollar index is up right now. I'm seeing it around 112.90. Uh, previous close was 112.13. So let's see what happens with the dollar. Will it continue to uh, push into that 114, uh, which is a monthly high? We got... N- that's from September 26th, so 114.10. That's what I'm looking at on the DXY to see if we get through that. And, uh, and again, cr- just to stop you there. Yeah. In some markets, currency leads. In this market, if you're looking for indications, I'm not talking to you, but just giving a, a teaching point here. If mm-hmm. you're looking for currency as an indicator, it's really not leading. The currency is not leading here. What is leading is actually the stocks. And then you yeah. have the, what, what, what happens is money managers are like, Boom. Okay, I'm nervous. They boom and they go in the U.S. dollars, and that drives up the U.S. dollar price. It's the safety trade. So yeah. in some markets, you can have currencies, but the currency traders will hate me saying that. But you can clearly see, you know, there's just a perfect inverse correlation between the U.S. dollar and the S&P. So you know, S&P down. You know, the U.S. dollar is up. You know, 98% of the days, U.S. dollar is up when the S&P is down. So exactly. but reverses the other way, the US dollar starts to go show weakness there. So just keep that in mind for the currency traders there. You can use the US you can use the US equities as an indicator for where your US dollar is going. Yeah, and and a big thing for me would just if we could get through that 114. Now it's not gonna be good for the market, of course, but like Dennis says, it's already gonna probably be showing up for us. Uh crude uh front month, uh WTI up at 8402. Settlement price yesterday was around 82. 82 so uh definitely getting a little bit of a bounce um and it really started bouncing around four in the morning we'll see what happens with oil stocks can they kind of continue the lift yesterday they pulled back they got close to that 100 sideways action right now on exxon mobile i think uh make it or break it day kind of can you get above the 102 or are you going to crack back below that 100 wouldn't want to see it crack if i was a bull for this move um, and there's some big resistance right above it. It's getting ugly here, too. We continue to leak here this morning, just taking you back to the U.S. equity markets here. I talked those stocks. Yeah. We just dropped another five, six points here since we started the show five minutes ago. So we continue to leak here. I mean, this market, it, it's a tough market, you know, and it's a tough market to call day to day. I'll just go back to that, too. Like, you know, here you are last night. You think, wow, Netflix up 30 bucks. Give me a great day for stocks. What do they do? Everybody who bought that thing, every algorithm that had to buy stocks last night, oh, Netflix, all oh, the bottoms in, buy, 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 buy. What do they do? Boom, overnight, the rug pull. The rug pull. It keeps happening. Don't well, chase. I mean, you know, comments like uh, Minneapolis uh, Fed President Neil Kashkari said uh, he sees no reason not to push the central bank's benchmark fund rate above 475. So, four. 0.75% in order to tackle inflation. And if that happens, well, yeah, we're probably still probably heading down, right? I and, mean, and that's the problem, too, is that you just have so much Fed speak against you, too, to your point here, Mitch. I mean, they're not, taking, back. 
They're not, yeah, I know. And then the market's like, oh my goodness, the Fed's still thinking about tightening. Well, they never stopped. We never got CPI in check. We never got the inflation in check. So it's like so headline driven because, you know, and Joel's right from yesterday, the algorithms are just driving the bus continuously and they trade on headlines. So you get a negative headline, they sell stocks. You get a positive headline, they buy stocks. You get some Fed speak that's, you know, been negative commentary for the markets for a long time here now, they sell stocks. So the news flow is one thing that keeps me out of this market and the potential, you know, and obviously there's money to be made just from predicting news flow. You know, maybe this earnings season is going to be good. We actually have had a pretty okay earnings season so far, which is shocking to me. I thought this earnings season was going to be a disaster, but the consumer still remains strong. United Airlines, which we could go into that earnings report, you know, maybe we go out of order here, Mitch, because the CEO is on CNBC right now. Um, they said, that, you know, the, the demand has not ticked down at all. So they're not seeing any demand destruction at UAL. I think it's coming. I, I, I'm shocked they haven't seen it yet. But again, you know, to the point we haven't seen CPI cool off yet either. So in, in the data. So, you know, maybe it's not coming. Maybe this consumer is just going to continue to find ways to spend money. But the one thing is, is that if the consumer continues to find ways to spend money, the Fed's going to keep their foot on the gas pedal. So yeah. it's like, it's like you still lose. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's the toughest thing. But UAL, I mean, let's start with this one here. Nice rally overnight, not seeing the demand destruction that I keep thinking is coming, but major resistance up here in this whole $40 area. So I think, I think it's a selling opportunity. Just my opinion, but I think it's a selling opportunity. Seems like uh, United Airlines coming in with a beat and a beat. EPS at $2.81, beating the $2.27 estimate. Sales at $12.9 billion, beating the $12.75 billion estimate. One thing that I can clearly say is, I mean, they're just passing down the extra cost, of course, of oil. And what's going on with them having to increase wages to the consumer? And the consumer keeps paying up. Um, even though business travel hasn't truly come back, it seems like air travel overall has come back. And even though people say we're in a recession, I mean, the, the airport's not still... showing up in, in the airlines, that's for sure. Big numbers, that's... good numbers. Again, though. Is it good news for, you know, stock market investors that the demand destruction is still not showing up because they still think then you're fighting the Fed still. You almost want to see some demand destruction start, you know, so to get that inflation in, to get the Fed to take their foot off the gas pedal. We continue to fight the Fed. If we're buying stocks, you know, on these, you know, decent earnings reports, we're actually fighting the Fed still. Tough, tough, tough market. That Goldman trader that said nobody knows what to do at this point in time, not one trader. From, from If you're going out more than five days, completely agree. I mean, these moves, you know, the fading moves have worked and there's still lots of production here. But to predict where we're going to be five days from now, almost impossible. Uh, gap zone to the left on the daily chart. That's going to be from the 13th and you got the 10th. And so it looks like we're going back into that range. Will we get back above uh, Tuesday high, uh, 4085? I think it's going to be tough, especially with the market that we're in. But sideways action, you can see it here from about June all the way until now. That's what we kind of want to see also, I think, in the market overall. Because if we could get a couple of months of sideways action, I think that's how you really start creating bottoms. It's not it's not going to be all the time V bottoms, right? right. You need to sometimes get some consolidation down there, find some price discovery, 
everyone kind of be like, okay, well, and maybe valuations are starting to make sense. That's how we go ahead and find a bottom. And I think it's going to take some time there. So it's not a bad thing that at least if we go back to the overall market that we have been going sideways since pretty much October. But I think we need more than just, you know, one month. We need a, we need like two or three months of sideways action. If we could stay around, let's say, 360 by the end of the year, then all right. Now I'd be feeling a little bit better yeah. that we could catch a rally going into next year. And then that could be a bottom. But of course, it's going to take some time. And we're going to have to see the Fed even show the smallest sign that they want to pause. And that's going to be the first yeah. sign. And then the rally would come. Uh, and, uh, and again, we may as well wait until we get a data yeah. point because they've already explained when they're going to pause. You know, basically the sell-off last month was, you know, and it was bought, which is a good thing. And maybe the bottom isn't. It might be. But I keep coming back to, wow, the risk out here, though, you know, from a long-term investing standpoint is really high. So I'm like, how do I justify that? I mean, we can say stocks are cheap relative to where they were last year. That is correct. But relative to where they are historically, they're not cheap. And then you've got fighting the Fed thing. So it's tough. I think I'm still buying dips, though. I think it's a trading market. I think we keep weave bobbing up and down. So if we pull back a little bit more here this morning, I'll probably be buying stocks. But I'm still staying at 40 42% cash in the long-term portfolio. I just cannot go all in on this market here yet because the Fed hasn't given me any signal that it's all clear. And it's going to take a while. Let's go towards the major earnings of the day. What caught everyone's attention, what everyone wanted to see from, or what everyone was watching, because it seems like it. Uh, they came in, definitely Netflix kicking it out their water with their earnings report. And, wow. you know, let's talk about it. They gained 2.4 million subscribers versus their 1 million estimate, bouncing back to the positive. Netflix also stating that they no longer forecast additions each quarter in an attempt to shift focus from revenue and profitability. Um, their focus, of course, is now on uh, it's on competitive excellence. And they tried to state that over and over. Um, for some reason, it got my numbers deleted here. So here you are. Right. Uh, EPS at uh, looks like 36 cents versus no, that's the we have to have a correction there. Um, let me just. It was three bucks and change. There so it is. It, Got it. I, I don't know. I just remember the number. So EPS at three dollars and ten cents, beating the two dollars and thirteen cent estimate. Uh, sales were at seven point nine three billion, beating the seven point eight four billion estimate. Um, another thing to kind of point to, they did state in their earnings report there a little bit of some currency concern. So in Q4 22, we're expecting revenue of 7.8 billion with a decline entirely due to continuing strengthening of the US dollar versus other currencies. Of course, uh, you saw a mess of raises today. Um, Deutsche Bank, Wedbush stepping up, a lot of different banks stepping up now with Jason. some price uh, raises, of course, uh, chasing the price. And we'll see how this affects other stocks. But let's first talk about Netflix and then we'll get into the relationships. Uh, still long via my wife's RSP. So obviously still own uh, my Netflix here. It's pretty much. When did you get it? I, I don't know. I, I, don't I, really but... I, I bought when Ackman bought the first time, okay. which was terrible buy, like three. I don't know. Actually, it was a good buy. It went up after that. I bought like 330 or 3 
when was that first big down wave? The second like, day, about like 350 or 355. And then it actually went up to like 450 after that. Should have rang the register. I was up like 80 or 90 points on that. And then it just leaky, 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 leaky. And then the, obviously the guy down that I bought again. The second buy was what saved me, really. The Joel theory, never frown, average down. Don't subscribe to that normally. But in this case, I did. Um, and I bought like 175. So, you know, so I've come in and I'm basically almost back to even on this position here now just because I averaged down, which it shouldn't do. But I just feel like Netflix is still something that's going to be there in the long run. It is not an expensive stock here, um, but I'm not chasing it up 30 bucks here today. So, you know, if we were to pull back, we get an overall market sell off, get back to like 230, 220. Do I add more to it? Maybe. I'm almost a full size position in it now, though. So just sticking with it. I'm not selling it. Sticking with it. How did Netflix gain so many subscribers? I don't know, um, but they definitely were able to get it done. Now, one thing is interesting is that, you know, moving forward, they're strictly saying, let's stop talking about subscribers. Why would they want to do that? Is that That's a really a question, actually? Is that really a focus more on that we want to focus your mind on revenue or more that we got to stop? doing this whole comparing that we need to kind of meet this bar, set this bar higher and higher and higher. Yeah, I think every it's the latter. Yeah. I think they I realize that bar can no longer be just kept getting beat and beat and beat and beat. Eventually they know they're going to lose some subscribers. That's normal to them now. Like they said, they're going to at least focus on their margins. Now. One thing that I think is important on Netflix though, is their content spending right? How are they going to adjust this? How can they figure out a happy zone between spending and making money, which is, of course, the most important thing now that they're focused on revenue? Yeah, I mean, I get it from Netflix's perspective. As an investor, you want those metrics. As an investor, as a trader, you want those metrics as well. So less information is never good for us as traders. But I get it. You know, they don't want to keep having to pump out and having to meet these higher bars. So I think you said it perfectly here, Mitch. Um, we've, I've already given the analysis on Netflix. So uh, Let's at this go point, to I'm holding it. One thing I will say is if I had on for a trade, I would sell it. If this was a trade, I would sell into it because, you know, we fade rips. So I'm definitely not buying the rip yeah. today. And if I had it on just for a short-term trade, I'd sell it. But I've been in this thing for the better part of a year here now. Sticking with it. Let's go to the relationships. How do you feel it'll affect like a Roku that hasn't moved at all? Yeah. Um, essentially, I mean, it got the pop on the Netflix news, but it's coming back down. Valuation is killing Roku. I mean, yeah, they don't make man, money. I just can't. I can't even. I, I tried there to try to think. Could I be positive on Roku? I can't, I can't either. do it. <laughs> I just think there's, you know, this TiVo part two, and I've been calling it that for a long time. A lot of pisses a lot of people off, but I mean, this is, you know, why I can't touch this thing. $490 is now 54 It's starting to look like it's TiVo Part 2. A lot of them have them built in. Yes, a lot of the TVs have the Roku's built in. It's not a zero. TiVo wasn't a zero either, but it wasn't worth the valuation that it was trading at. And it's probably never getting back there. So unless they can come out and be the new streamer, and they do have a little bit of content there, but they need to you know, have a hell of a lot more content to even have a chance here. Um, I, I, think, you know, I think valuation just keeps me out of this name indefinitely. And Disney... Uh, it's good the for Disney. It does. And I'm long Disney. I bought more. I got this almost perfectly too. I bought more, I think a 91 handle three, four days ago. So mm. I was just going off that old 90. 
I bought more here, um, which I had a very small position. I brought it up to a medium-sized position. I'm not a full-size position in Disney. I'm probably close to a full-size position. So I had a double-size position in Disney at one time, um, and then it had the big run-up, and you know, I sold it at 121 which, you know, I talked about just this big move, 90 to 121. And, you know, it's come all the way back down to 90. So it gave me another chance near that same level. Um, that's a huge support level. So I think on pullbacks here, I like Disney. The biggest problem is I don't like, still don't like stock market overall. And if we're going into a recession, which the Fed is going to force us into, there's going to be less people going to Disney World for a bit. So short-term pain, I think long-term, I think Disney's going to be fine. Short-term, um, I'm just not, you know, I'm not buying a lot of stocks right now, short term. Well, uh, if you wanted your opportunity for Disney, you know, below 100 out of the pandemic, it went all the way up to close to 200 back down below it. I think it long like term, I think if shot. you have a 10 year time horizon or five year time horizon, even, I think you're going to make money on Disney at a hundred bucks, but I just I, don't know if you're going to gonna be able to pick this thing up, you know, at 80 in you know three four months i don't know that but i'm in it so obviously i think there's a chance that this thing you know could just keep going so i'm in it and the last one we'll go is uh para uh paramount global i i, I don't see this that's a disaster all yet. around all, all rallies slow week all rallies to be sold in my opinion in para um it's been an epic disaster obviously you know the wang thing and up to 100 bucks is just the craziness this thing was in a you know a death you know basically just you know from 2017 to 2020 you know just straight down got to as low as ten dollars it's been a value trap the whole time the gift of 2020 and 2021 was just incredible and it's not getting back to those prices for a long long time is it going out of business no but does it continue to leak i think so all right, let's get towards our next earnings report. We're going to go to Procter and Gamble. So let's go to PG. Let's see how value is doing right now. EPS at a dollar fifty-seven, beating a dollar fifty-six estimate. Sales at twenty point six billion, beating a twenty point four four billion estimate. PG maintains full year twenty-three organic sales growth outlook and maintain their EPS outlook. What not, do you feel not, on not PG? great guidance here? Not great guidance either. And actually, um, you know, when they say they reduce their all in sales growth one to three percent, it was funny. The CEO was on CNBC and Kernan was interviewing him. Kernan's pretty funny sometimes. He's just like, it's like, he's like, so you're reducing your sales guidance. He's like, that's correct. He's like, well, stock's trading up. He's like, I guess they don't care. He's like, and he wouldn't comment on the stock price. He's like, we're reducing sales guidance. So I don't know the defensiveness of this market we know this market likes to play defense procter yeah. gamble's defensive stock it has been beat up i just think if you want to play defense play it in cash i feel like procter gamble is an expensive defensive stock where cash right now pg only gives you 2.81 percent cash is going to give me 4.1 4.2 4.5 maybe and i can you know get to sit there and don't have the stock risk so I see no reason to buy Procter & Gamble. Same reason, Johnson Johnson, when it was trading up yesterday, I was like, no, I'm not interested. I feel like PG, same story. Does PG go red? Possible. Again, though, this defensive nature of it, you know, we're on a risk-off day. Sometimes PG can yeah. catch a bid because of that. But I don't want to buy a stock for a 2.72% dividend or whatever it is, 2 point, I was looking at JJ, 2.81. And, you know, the sales growth is slowing. I don't see no reason to buy PG. 
If you're looking for pullbacks, I would say around 129.70. We'll see what happens today. Definitely kind of more of a risk-off type of day, at least what it's seeming like right to start the day. Of course, that could always flip towards the open. We'll see what happens to PG. And just overall, just wanted to take a look at household uh, personal products. This is an index that I have with my TC, and you can see how it's been bouncing, but has been a big decline since pretty much I would say August 16th. Um, yeah, that's kind of the topping action. So pretty much we've been down about 2.1 months. So it could get a little bit of a bounce. I think you might get a bounce today, but will that continue? Yeah, I think there are rips to sell and not bad to maybe rent them today. We'll see what happens in PG. All right, let's go to the next one, ASML. ASML is an important stock, of course, uh, one of the leading semiconductor equipment materials stock. So let's talk about their earnings report. They reported Q3 EPS at $4.32, beating the $4.01 estimate. Sales at $5.83 billion, missing the $5.93 billion estimate. Interesting note that was included in the earnings report. ASML said that it expects the direct impact of the U.S. chip curves on China to be limited. Trading overseas already, so the market is active, so it's kind of priced in where it wants to be. So don't expect like huge moves off of our open because it's already trading actively here. Stocks in a clear downtrend. I sell stocks that are in downtrends when they rally. Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely a pop to sell. But I mean, full disclosure, I, I was able to short this one yesterday, uh, oh, make nice. a little cash on it. So uh, shorted that gap up and we're getting another kind of gap up move here. And I think it might be just one of those gaps and fails. This company tends I'm not to making any trades often on doing it. We'll see what happens. ASML, I'll, I'll kind of be watching it out the open, uh, but not a bad note, at least saying that it would be limited. I thought it would be worse for ASML. So at least it's up on that news right now. Let's go to the next uh, earnings report. Let's keep this moving here. Um, let's go to actually Adobe's uh, pre-announcement there, giving yeah. some uh, guidance here, updated guidance. So let's go to that one. Sneaky here. guidance last night, right? As Netflix reported, it was just slightly after, like a few minutes after Adobe gave uh, some guidance here. So they snuck it in there. Give us that Adobe numbers. Adobe sees full year 23 sales at 19.1 billion and the high end of 19.3 billion versus 19.82 billion estimates. So missing there. Adjusted EPS at $15.15 to a high end of $15.45 versus the $15.53 estimate. They did uh, reaffirm at least Q4 guidance. Um, Jeffrey's coming in here and maintaining a buy on Adobe, lowering price target to 420. And there's some other ratings out there on Adobe now. How do you feel about this stock, Dennis? Um, the guy, it's actually a slight guide down, but this market's like, nah, it's not that bad. We can take it. And that's why the stock's trading higher. So it's interesting yeah. how, you know, this is turning. This is the one, you know, fear as being too much cash right now is that this market starts to find silver lining and the guide downs gets bought. So slight guide down, but. No, they're they're buying it up here. And I again, the reason I think it's just such a slight guide down that they're like, hey, that's not bad. And they did reaffirm Q4 guidance as well. So with that being said, too, I mean, you're getting to a point on Adobe where valuation, this was always a growth stock with a nosebleed valuation trading 45, 50 times earnings. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not paying that. 
you're getting down like 25 times earnings now, you know, 27 times earnings. You're getting a little more reasonable. Does this ever come to 20 times earnings? You know, where we're like are under 20 times earnings? I think it's a buy if if it comes down to 20 times earnings. So if it was to fall down, and not not saying it's going to do that, but if it was to fall down like 200 bucks, I think you're backing up the truck. So you're getting to a point where Adobe, if you're buying it now, you're probably going to be happy five years from now. But does it get cheaper yet if we still continue to get ugly? I think it's possible. But I, I would put it on the watch list. This would be one that I would want to own at a certain point in time. We'll see what happens on Adobe. Can it get back into kind of that gap zone to the left? If you take a look, I'll pull it to the hourly chart. And you can see we've been trying to get back above the 302 level. I would definitely be watching for a move above 304 today if you're kind of get bullish on Adobe. Takedown level on the downside, we're going to look for a breakdown through the 292 going to 290s. That would be kind of more an Adobe breakdown there. And it's just going sideways right now on the, on the hourly. We'll just look to see what happens out the gates. And I think a lot of it, of course, we can go back to the SPY pulling back right now. Uh, that's not helping it right now at 368.83s. Going to see if we can hold given, kind of support. Go giving back three years of gains here too so yeah. i mean that's one thing to consider as well i think i think adobe's going to be a buy and i think i'm i've got on the, i've got it on the i want list i just don't think it's quite cheap enough yet yeah i i, I like the next monthly level down towards 257 i have that drawn out for a while now a we'll level. see we'll see if we're around 250s to today that, it's going to show some strength sense. though i don't think it's happening today it's already yeah. holding up well could the get towards 300. they're already saying it's not bad this is one this could actually get a sneaky buy so from day trading perspective i like it actually yeah in a shorter time frame around five minutes you can see kind of a trend line right there towards that 300 so we'll see if we get a break of 300 towards the bell Let's get out of Adobe. Let's keep going. We got another earnings stock. I wanted to do one more uh, Intuit Surgical. Um, ISRG coming out with some earnings today and getting a spike. So at least we can bring some positive outlook here. Uh, their EPS at $1.19, beating the $1.12 estimate. Sales at uh, $1.56 billion, beating the $1.52 billion estimate. Uh, this is ISRG Intuit Surgical, and uh, we'll see if they can get out of the rut. They definitely bounced off of that bottoming action there. It's the medical instrument and supply company. It's come down a long ways from the highs. It's still expensive, though, and it's off the highs, but I think I'm still fading. You still got this clear downtrend here. I know, again, you know, I'm sounding like a broken record here, but stocks and downtrends and selling rips on it's given back two or three years of gains too which is par for the course for a lot of these tech stocks at a certain point this will be a buy as well i don't know if that point's 150 but i don't think it's 214 so i'm not jumping and chasing again this market i'm not making money buying stocks up 10 percent. i think you could get a run maybe towards 220 but i don't see too much more than that um it's just going to be sideways for right now we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Let's go to the what last... What stocks do you like, Mitch? Let's just go on a side. we got three minutes here. Yeah. What stocks... Is there any stocks you do like here right now? Like, I'm kind of the same thing. I'm like, is there anything I do like right now that I would buy here today? Because we're getting a pullback here. We are now 80 handles off where we were last night. This is a dip. And if you think the bottom is in, and I know me and Mitch aren't in that camp, but let's just play bull camp for a bit. This is the kind of day to buy stocks if you're full-on rah-rah, the bottom is in. This is the day. This is the time, like right now. Yeah. What is there any stocks that you would be jumping on here? This uh, I mean, it just depends on where you're looking at, right? Because this is a technology in- index, and I, I tend to take think that everyone's thinking when will technology lead us back, right? Is technology let us down? Well, when will technology turn around? I don't see it yet in technology. At least I can say that. That you know, yeah, we've had some bounces. Technology is not an area that I'm liking right now, unless you may be looking at solar to get another little bounce. I did see some of those start bouncing. They've been again, hit hard, but they've been hit hard also. And so it's just. Would you buy the tan? Not not tan. If I'm if I'm looking at any of them, of course I'm looking at FSLR and I'm looking at EMPH. Um, but you can see EMPH. I thought it would maybe hold that gap down and then just start making its way back. But it's battling on the way down also. Technology, even though it gets kind of a lift, even with something like a climate bill, still not getting that lift. Now, industrials are coming back, which is a little bit interesting. That caught me by surprise yesterday. Um, So, of course, I'm still thinking of next year for infrastructure bill kind of outlook. Um, So I did see kind of like beer coming back. You can see here on the daily chart, it is trying to come back towards the 380s. Um, So if you're trying to take Think about maybe uh, play here in deer. That doesn't look too bad. Cat likes to lag behind it. So maybe look for cat to kind of lag first. And deer really give you that breakout through the 380s. Then look for cat to kind of catch up back towards the 190s and the 200s. Um, But these are some stocks that I'd keep in mind. And then utilities are bouncing back. But this is more of a renting play. Um, It's just a beaten down play. I would maybe look at like an NEE to get just a little bit of a bounce back and Duke to get a little bounce back, but this is not going to hold. And so to me, if you're looking at plays and you're thinking the bottom, where do you go? I mean, that's the hard part there. I I don't see it. Um, Maybe healthcare showing some bottoming action here. Um, So maybe you're looking at some healthcare starting to turn around. Let's see if there's any of these that kind of point to more of a stronger outlook I'd say healthcare plans. And I did see one area that d- didn't do too bad, which is this stock today, um, ELV, um, uh, Alviance Health. 
What I like about this one is that it's in a really interesting area. Um, so this one's going to trade with McKesson and also uh, Cardinal Health. These are coming back. If you're looking at some stocks that are looking interesting, like look at this Cardinal Health chart. Nice little daily chart all towards the top. Nice little break holding the trend. You this still like the relative the strength trend. plays. You're sticking yeah. with relative strength. Yeah, that's what I would have to stick with because those are the only charts that seem to make sense, right? I'd even look at oil for a bullish play today. I know that you know you, you don't feel that way on that play, Dennis, but the, the daily setup, relative strength, that's what I'd stick to. And I'd be renting stocks. I'm still not in the camp that this is the bottom. Let's go. Let's go see what Frank says. Maybe we yeah, can jump let's in. Let's go ahead. We'll get we'll get out of my charts. We're gonna get to our interview today. Excited to talk all different areas. Of course, let's go ahead. Let's get Frank's home on executive chairman of Hive Blockchain, CEO and chief investment officer at U.S. Global Investors. Welcome back on, Frank. Great to be back, Money Mitch. It's good to have you, man. I like the background, man. I got to work on that type of office. Dennis, we so. are. Well, I know. We got we to work on that. Up, that's, that's how you do it right there, Frank. Looks beautiful. going to have to get my mining game Very on. Fine. Thank you. It's my uh, den, my library oh. den. Oh, it, it seems right like a there. great place to be. And uh, let's start talking first thing. Uh, let's stick to the airlines and talk a little bit maybe on Jets ETF. Uh, we just got today uh, United. Uh, airlines uh, earnings, and we've already gotten a look into Delta. How do you see the air traffic out there? Well, I've just flown back from Europe and uh, was in Amsterdam last week, and you know it's it's improving dramatically. And you saw the United twenty five percent higher than was expected. Price of tickets are expensive. Um, the options to fly, so they have pricing power. There's just that's not as many flights as you used to have. So the airlines are in a very strong position. But Jets has come off. If you go back to when it bottomed at eleven dollars in, in April of 2020, and it surged to 28, that was all future thinking of anticipation of the vaccine and the economy would turn around. And now the great concern is the economy is not going to turn around and that we're gonna have this recession. So you're seeing this sort of opposite. However, the fundamentals of the airline industry are improving dramatically. So it's, it's, it's always sort of this discounting six to nine months out. Um, but I think the worst is behind us uh, in this sort of, when will we get a peak in yields? Uh, and so what we're looking for at US Global, very short term, and what we've seen are 10 day. So if we can get a 10 day, uh, low in, in two and five year government yields and a rally in the stock market makes a 10 day high, that would say it's sustainable. Otherwise, we've seen nothing but bear market rallies. You get these big surges, but the yields don't validate and confirm the stock market rally that they peaked. So we're trying to look for that and we've yet to see it. But positively, gold surged above its 50 day moving average. Uh, then it came off uh, just slightly below it. But I think that gold is very much poised uh, going in the next six months for a huge upside reversal. Frank, um, I just want to talk about the United Airlines earnings to a certain extent here this morning because um, just listening to the CEO on CNBC was on there about an hour ago. 
they're not seeing any demand destruction here. I mean, they're seeing actually, you know, record sales and people are still doing stuff. I mean, you keep thinking like if they keep raising rates, eventually it's going to hit the little guy and eventually it's probably going to show up in these earnings, but it's not showing up yet. Why is the consumer so resilient and especially in travel? Well, I think that's A, the supply of options for you to fly are, are, have been contracting. They've not expanding. So they so they have pricing power. And two, there's a, a new uh, a tourist animal out there. It's a business tourist person and they call the Zoomer Traveler. And, and I think that that's a reason, rational reason for JetBlue going after Spirit because Spirit dominates the Caribbean islands in, in, in inexpensive flights throughout the Caribbean. And what we've found is that a lot of people found how to run, run their businesses from, at, from home and they do not want to go back to the office. So they find the cheapest holidays and they work from Cancun so they can walk on the beach in the afternoon and they sit there on their computers coding away, uh, writing reports, doing Excel analysis and sending them back. But they are the, there's like a million of them that's been estimated that are traveling all through the East Coast and going south or going north. So I think that they're putting a lot of demand into the equation. And so... Okay, so yeah, so there, there's all different considerations here, and there's so many, you know, because I come in, I just think, okay, well, people have less money, they're going to spend less, but, you know, obviously, I never really thought about airlines having, I want to go back to what you said, pricing power. I've never really thought about that before, you know, as you've taken down the supply, you know, not less flights, all of a sudden, there's like a, a pricing power, and what we've seen, like, and not comparing airlines to Pepsi. But, you know, Pepsi is your classic pricing power where, you know, people are still going to go. They can pass those costs on to the consumer, the in increased costs. Um, that's, you know, a, that's enlightening to me to think of the airlines having pricing power. Do you think that is sustainable? Do you think like that pricing power can continue? Or do you think this is just a temporary trend and eventually, you know, the supply is going to come back and, you know, and, all, and then, you know, the pricing power will dissipate? Well, I think with this concern of a recession looming, um, that the airlines are not going to expand uh, as readily. And also they're constrained from a shortage of pilots, a shortage of workers. Uh, and, and you're also seeing some of the policies, particularly in Europe, on climate change. Like one of the best airports in the world has always been Amsterdam especially in Europe. Well, they cut, they basically cut back on the number of planes allowed to land and take off to deal with what they perceive as a big climate change issue. So they have also been restricting the supply, but the demand is still robust. All right, let's get into a different area that I want to take a look at. Of course, uh, when we when we're talking about the airlines and we, we get into kind of the leisure and we're thinking about the holiday season coming up. I'm even thinking about it. I have some family in Puerto Rico. I'm looking at the prices and I'm like, man, it's expensive. But, you know, you got to go see family. And I feel like this is what's probably going to be happening this holiday season. Even though we see the prices a little bit higher, the consumer still willing to pay up. Do you feel that's going to happen, Frank? Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't see any abatement uh, taking place for the next six months. And I think you're going to get fundamental surprises in the airline industry. And uh, in, in jets in particular, we own a lot of the airports. Uh, outside of the U.S., in, in Cancun is public, uh, Paris is public, uh, Thailand is public, and all these airports are just booming. 
Excellent. Now let's go towards uh, the gold market. I want to talk a little bit about some gold. And you already kind of mentioned it that in September, kind of we went through this rough time in the markets, but it seems like the precious metals started finding their bounce. Do you feel that this trend can continue? I do. And what's interesting is the fundamentals. The industry is so much stronger than it was back in 2015 when gold stocks took it under the chin with gold. Uh, today, 60% of these gold mining companies have free cash flow. Back then, it was something like 15% had free cash flow. So the industry is strong. They're going to have to go into a Pac-Man to acquire other people to get reserves. Uh, and, and I think that you're going to see a reset. Now, what I find really interesting is the tangibility of gold coins. It's interesting to see that gold has been under pressure and has far outperformed in a diversified portfolio, the S&P 500, but still it's down. And the gold stocks are down more whenever gold is down. However, gold coins are, are record sales. Uh, silver coins, record sales. So people want to have something that's tangible. Uh, when you go to a Nike store, they, they'll tell you there's a shortage of pennies and, and nickels and quarters and dimes. So you're seeing that the psychology of the consumer with all this money printing is basically started hoarding tangible assets. And they start in you know, retail. People start at, at the lower the income level. They understand a penny. They understand a nickel, a quarter. Those that have more wealth, they're buying silver coins and gold coins. That's interesting perspective there, Frank. It seems to me like the it, it's not the digital move. It's not the metaverse type of move. They want the physical thing. So looks like the collectibles are kind of more getting up. And I think you said it there. I think they want the actual physical thing so that they feel they have value, even though, I mean, of and course, relates, you still have value there. To, that relates to Bitcoin. You know, it's interesting that, that Bitcoin uh, falls 70 percent. And in Amsterdam, there's 3,000 people attending a conference paying $1,000 each. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Uh, in Austin, there were 7,000 people spending over $1,000 a ticket to go to. If gold fell 70%, no one would show up, even if you gave a ticket to them free. So I think it's to, when I look at the opposite of that, and that is the small accounts of wallets are growing in Bitcoin. So even though it's been falling, we're seeing people buying a fraction of a Bitcoin and owning it like they're buying a gold coin or a silver coin. Uh, I got lots of questions here. I could go gold. I could go. I want to go all these with you, Frank, here. But let's just take it over to Bitcoin. You know, you, you've opened it up the conversation here. And I mean, it has been a serious sell off for Bitcoin. I mean, there's a lot of cryptocurrencies that are down 80, 90 percent. Bitcoin has held up better than the others. Do you see this Bitcoin turning around anytime soon? I mean, we've been down here at 19,000, I feel like, for months and not going anywhere. Is this like the floor or are we just basing to go lower? What are your thoughts here? I mean, you're obviously doing the mining, so you're making money in different ways. But do you have any projections here on Bitcoin going forward? Well, what happened, I think, is, is that um, rising interest rates also set a scenario for all these asset classes. But in particular, what was growing this time last year were these shadow banks where they're taking deposits and offering you a yield on a token or something like Celsius, et cetera. Yeah. And they've all imploded. So the history says that when an industry goes through this sort of implosion, it takes at least 
a, a minimum of nine months to repair itself. And it can take up to four years. So when a country goes through a debt implosion, like we saw in 97 in Asia, 98 was Russia, uh, it takes four years. But I think we're going to see the bottom happen between now and March uh, in the crypto space. And what was really positive that impressed me, what I saw when I was in Amsterdam, where a, a facility that, that was eight football fields, a greenhouse that was eight football fields in size, was using basically two megawatts of Bitcoin machines that was heating the water that was creating a greenhouse. And they had nothing but robots picking the red pepper plants. I've never seen like it just blew me away. So what we're seeing uh, is that Bitcoin machinery can turn around and heat greenhouses at the same time as make Bitcoin. They can also stabilize the grid. That is when electricity is basically being wasted or going nowhere, that all of a sudden that's when you can get inexpensive electricity to mine Bitcoin. And we're doing this in Sweden. Where we're balancing the grid. Uh, and, and so I see that's interesting to see that the demand for Bitcoin, uh, both the retail and then the institutional person, but there's lots of bankruptcies in this industry because of the shadow banking. It's going to take several more months to repair that and lawsuits, et cetera. Uh, so we're gonna get this sort of trough taking place in this ecosystem. Frank, I got some mining questions for you here too. And obviously you know a lot about this through high blockchain. What happens, like, first of all, where is, like, the break-even cost for mining? Because it's come down so substantially, I've got to think, you know, it's a tougher business than it was. And what happens just to miners if the break-even, if the price of Bitcoin starts going below, you know, that break-even cost for mining? Does the mining continue? Like, how does that work? So what historically has happened is that, and before I answer that question, what we're dealing with today is that many of the machines are much more energy efficient, like of a huge magnitude more efficient. Okay. And so therefore they need a, a, a they can deal with a higher break even. However, the industry now, even in Texas, is pushing seven cents cost of electricity. And a lot of these machines are unprofitable. So unless you have a highly energy efficient machine you will have to shut down your production or you're going to be losing millions of dollars a day so i think that what we're seeing is is the older machines are basically unproductive and they're going to be shut down the higher performing machines can still be sustainable uh what you're going to have to have is is bitcoin above around dollars uh, that seems to be the threshold. And for a lot of places, you're going to have to have Bitcoin at 12,000 if your energy costs are like six cents. So there's a grade. You got to think of this. What is your cost of energy and the efficiency of your machines is going to dictate that break even level? What, I've always wondered this, just building on that question. If the break-even level fell to a point where even the efficient machines are losing money, does everybody still stop mining? And then what happens to Bitcoin? Because yes, they isn't... stop. So, so, so then remember what... this. Okay. Is, is that every day there's about 900 new coins. Okay. That's the, that's the, the jump ball. Every 10 minutes to be able to mine one of those, validate a transaction, and you get a new Bitcoin. Hive is about 1% of the global network. Okay. Uh, and, and so if if all of a sudden the price of Bitcoin falls and a lot of people are losing money, they will stop mining. And that would mean if we are still 
profitable that we would get a bigger piece of the 900 coins a day. What happens if the what happens if the mining just stopped? If the miners just you know all of a sudden it wasn't profitable for anyone and the mining just stopped? Does the whole thing fall apart? Like what happens? No, they just they basically shut down and uh, maybe some people have energy loans or whatever and they have their problems, but it, it just you just contract. Uh, what we do is we change the position of our machines. We're now upgrading all our machines. If we have any older machine, we're taking our cash flow to to buy a more energy efficient machine, which allows us to mine uh, at a lower cost of Bitcoin. Okay, so there's always going to be mining. There's always going to be somebody that can make money, just even regardless of the price. Correct. Okay. One okay, question Frank. here from the yep. chat. Uh, this seems like for some reason the audio cut off a little bit. So what was that break even price that you mentioned? Just want to make sure that the chat caught it correctly. So for the listeners, it's it's a X and Y axis. You know, look for that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. It is the efficiency of your machine and the energy efficiency that's just really key and your cost of energy. So different machines have different break-evens relative to your cost of energy. So right now, you know, we our least expensive energy is in Sweden, where we're paying two to four cents for a kilowatt. The most expensive, as you're seeing in some of these other locations, they've had a shutdown that's not affecting Hive, but some people are experiencing in Norway, energy went to 14 cents a kilowatt, seven times what we're paying. So they automatically have to shut down all the machines because they're losing money. So you you have to look at what is your cost of energy and then what is the efficiency of your machine dictates where your break-even is. Globally, globally, right now, it's basically implied that you're going to have to have like $12,000. Everyone starts shutting. The, the average person starts shutting down. Well, we'll definitely wait and see. And, and we'll have to see if the price actually even gets down there. It's been holding on right now. And so uh, we'll see if we can get through this winter, Frank. Appreciate you like always, Frank yeah. Holmes, CEO here of U.S. Global Investors. I will throw up here the link to the website so you guys can check out all the ETF that U.S. Global ETF has to offer. Appreciate you coming on, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. Mucho gracias, Mitch. Gracias. Tengo buen día. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's get back to the stocks action. We still leaking? Yeah, no, we're starting to bounce off the lows a little bit here. So we stopped the leak, and that's the good news. And I mean, to go higher, you got to first stop the leak, and then you got to start to you know fill up the boat again here. But I mean, this is uh, it, this is a market that's going to have a lot of chop. This is the one thing in 2022 which has been a given is chop. You know, the VIX still remains elevated even on the rallies yesterday. You're not really seeing the VIX come in to Spinner's point, which is a fantastic point. TLT continues to make new lows. So the bonds just are not believing the equity rally whatsoever. So, I mean, we made a new low on the TLT yesterday. We're trying to break down and challenge that low here again today. So you have that separation. And the bonds have led this market down in the last six to eight weeks. So if you're using that as a tell, the TLT just looking at that, it means that the recent equity markets, you know, rally could be short-lived. Now, again, that doesn't have to be the tell. It doesn't have to be the case. But I'm just saying bonds have been leading here for the last two months. So it's a it's a bold call to say bonds are going to stop leading now 
and it's going to be equity markets going forward. So my order of operations is bonds, stocks, dollar. They cycle, they move. You know, it's like futures versus cash, you know, futures versus stocks, which leads um, people, you know, the futures traders say futures always lead, you know, because they're trading overnight and they're dictating it all. I'll tell you at certain times, though, stocks lead. You know, when you have huge imbalances, it can change the futures. So huge imbalances on the individual stocks. We know this. So sometimes bonds can lead. Sometimes stocks can lead. Sometimes dollar can lead. Right now, from what I'm seeing, it's bonds, stocks, dollar. I'm using the TLT stills, my major indicator here, continues to leak, which makes me cautious about chasing cautious. any type of market rally. Exactly. I, I think that that's definitely something you need to see change around. We need to see it completely change tune uh, before we get that rally that we're looking for. Um, today will be kind of, I think, one of those days that, you know, we're just going to have some more chop. I think we can chop up. We can chop down. I wouldn't see us getting through yesterday's hives, 375, 45. Do you think that's still in play today? Uh, I'm not even going to try to predict the market. And, um, you know, yeah, people think as, as a trader, you're in a prediction game and you have to constantly be predicting the market no, to make you don't. money. That's just not the case. You just can trade and you can fade moves. You can do different things. I mean, we're all, every trade in itself is a little prediction. But you don't have to be calling the overall market to be making money. Obviously, you know, I trade a lot of inefficiencies and looking at relative pricing, relative spreads, looking for different leaders, laggards, you know, for different tells. But, you know, right now, you know, sometimes I, I you know, I'm pretty good and pretty in sync and saying, yeah, I kind of feel like they're going to buy this, you know, dip here today. And other times it's like, it's really tough. And I mean, right now I'm going to keep saying it. You know, this is why I've kind of been trading just market neutral the last two, three weeks here, because it's been difficult to predict day-to-day -day pricing like i don't have a crystal ball and i can't tell yeah. you what this market's going to be at at four o'clock i can just tell you right now there's a tendency to be fading moves so i would be more of a buyer here today as a short-term trader than a seller for the simple reason is that dips have been getting bought and rips have been getting sold and i don't want to fade that trend you know if you could chart that on a trend you can clearly see contrarian trading is winning over momentum trading you know, you yeah. can even talk and you can look out there and you can see what's been happening. The contrarian has had a very good year. Contrarian trading is just simply fading moves. It's, you know, when stocks are going down hard, they're buying. When the stock's going up hard, they're selling. That's what's been working. In 2020, we were a trendy year. You just follow the trend. Momentum trading was working very well. So um, it's different markets, different environments. Right now, fading is what is still working. So I tend to be more of a buyer on days like this. I definitely would agree. So the reversals have been kind of the best strategies I've seen. Um, Titanic, bob up and down. Let's Still go to uh, one that we didn't touch uh, is Generac. Uh, and they're oh my gosh. They uh, came in here with an EPS at $1.75 down from $2.35 uh, year over year. Sales at $1.09 billion up from $942.7 million. But as you can see, I did not like this uh, coming in early and giving a pre-announcement here. Generac just getting crushed here in the pre-market. Um, okay, a couple thoughts here. This is, you know, uh, obviously just a pre-announcement, so it wasn't scheduled, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, again, and I just built a house and I bought a Generac generator when I built the house. A lot of times you see GNRC, like Generac, is definitely selling to new builds. New houses, get generators. So if housing is struggling, it's probably predictable that you know Generac is going to be struggling. And that's the main reason 
why we are down so much. This is an interest rate play too. It's not, it's a luxury item, but it's not something that's like, you know, the rich, you know, absolutely are going to have, or, you know, it's, it's like that middle class is maybe buying generators, can't afford generators now. Yeah. So my Gen Generac generator was $14,000. That was not Canadian, buying that. So, I mean, <laughs> again, so it's, it's, it's more of a luxury and a, not a necessity. And it's not something that's like, you really, you know, Oh, you want that new car. Oh, I want that generator. So this is what has happened. You know, we had free money running the party. This is probably one of the most interest rate sensitive plays you can get. So as rising rates come up, you are going to see demand destruction here first. Just like the autos, we've seen that too. Generac probably right at the very top. You know, if you want to put, you know, demand destruction, you are seeing it here in GNRC from higher rates. Until the Fed pivots, GNRC is a no touch for me. At a certain point in time, it will be a buy. Valuation is going to become attractive. I mean, we've given back the entire 2020 gain. But if you look, we're 2019, we're 50 bucks. Could this stock go back to $50 if we, you know, continue to have a Fed raising rates? It's possible. Not saying it's likely, but it's possible. At a certain point in time, if GNRC came back to $50, would I buy it? Yes, I would. So there's a certain point in time, but right now, with the Fed still tightening, I don't think even giving them a green light to buy GNRC. If money managers are looking to buy dips, this is a serious one, but I'm going to just sit this one out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't see anyone going for uh, $14,000 generators uh, anytime soon. Especially... And that's Canadian, so say 10, 11 US. Okay, all right. A little better, but still, it's still expensive, especially in a this time is my that house. we're this going This is one that right powers now. my entire house. So when my power goes out, Boom, I'm still trading. The, G That's the, the key. generator kicks in in, I think, 10 seconds. You're not like so. me, just connecting it to the fridge. And, uh, <laughs> Is that just, what you try to do? <laughs> yeah. I just try to keep the fridge alive, man. If you got the fridge, I mean, got to keep the food. I, I just uh, The main reason I got a generator was for my trading. If I wouldn't be in a day trader, I can have a power outage. I don't give a crap. Especially but when the power when goes out for me, and it happened twice last year, I didn't have a generator. Yeah. It costs me big dollars. I have zero production. I'm not working. Plus, I have market risk. You know, maybe I'm on trades and all of a sudden, boom. So it's just not an option for me. So it's something I absolutely needed to have for my trading. Tesla tonight. Tesla. What happens to the Tesla oh, dragon? Gosh. Does it finally get slayed, Dennis? No idea. This one's going to be a tough one to call. It has been beat up into the number. Expectations are lower. They're lower than they were, say, if this was a month ago, this was reporting. I would say expectations are high. Expectations are fairly low here. Tesla is a luxury item, but it's something that people want. So there's still going to be people who are going to buy Teslas because they're moving over and there's more on the road here all the time. This could go either way. This one's a tough one to call. A Generac is an easier call. This Tesla, TSLA, this is going to be a tough call because expectations be... are lower. If they can come in just in line, they'll be fine. But if they come in and obviously, you know, it's a mess. I don't think it's going to be a mess, though. So I, I, I wouldn't want to be short at going into the report. It's going to be definitely something to watch. Uh, we did get an Apple little scare yesterday um, with uh, kind of they talking about more production cuts for the iPhone 
I'm really interested to hear what Apple's going to say in their earnings report because it seems like everyone knows about their production cuts, but they don't want to tell anybody about it. Again, another. So you have now Bloomberg was it the first that reported? Yeah, and now Bloomberg, you've got the information America, reporting. The information. Everybody is saying Apple is cutting production here, and Apple's just. Not saying nothing. They're trying to find that leak. Who is leaking this information? Yeah, that, guy's leak. fired. that guy or girl is getting fired. Yeah, if, if they I was find that this person for leaking all this, because Apple doesn't like talking to these companies. Some time but somebody is leaking information. You know what I feel about Apple. I've had my Apple in my long-term portfolio for a decade, and I hedged the whole thing back at 155. It went to 170. I was like, man, I hedged a little bit too early. Now it's back there, 141. My hedge is looking a little bit better. I feel like Apple at 24 to 25 times earnings is expensive for this market. I feel like it doesn't have the growth that one time did. It will have more products. It is one of the best runs, if not the best run company out there. Um, so I still have lots of exposure through my SPY and my Qs holding. And I just got rid of, you know, and hedged my direct exposure to Apple. If Apple came back down, you know, you know, back down to 16, 17 times earnings, I'd probably reload my position. But I just feel like, this environment, I'm scared that Apple could, you know, maybe not, maybe they don't warn, maybe they do, but it's just not cheap. It's just, it's, it's, it's been the multiple expansion, the entire run from the last two and a half years was multiple expansion. And I feel like we're in multiple contraction environment. I think eventually they come for Apple. We'll see what happens. Will they come for the generals? They came for them a couple of weeks ago. We'll see what happens to Apple and Tesla today after the bell. You also got IBM. So we'll see what happens in some of these earnings stocks. We're in full mode earnings, and so we'll see what happens today. Dennis, you have a good one. Go get to your trading action and do what Thanks, you do Money best, Mitch. We'll be back at you tomorrow. We miss, we miss you, Joel, if you're listening. We miss have you. Fun. We miss you, Joel. That we do. That's for sure. Have a good one, Dennis. I'm going to get you guys over to live trading that will be coming up next. We don't have the boot camp today. Normally, we would have a boot camp for you, but we got live trading action and uh, was able to bounce back yesterday, made some good trades. I actually traded Soxass, a little leverage to the uh, bearish semiconductor. But if you guys want to come over and check out all the trading action, you don't got to go anywhere. Just stay right here. This will bring you right over to live trading. And of course, after that, we got Benzinga live. And later today, I'm going to be trying to do a little bit of a special at the close. I don't have Joe Alconan, but I'm going to try to get it to a couple of guests and make it a little longer. I'll let you guys know, of course, coming up on live trading exactly there. But I want to see you guys over to at the close. There's too many of you guys listening in right now. There's only 1,300 of you guys. Come on over to at the close. That's where we cover the uh, market close and all the action in the intraday. You want to go ahead and get some insights. You want to check out some charts. That's exactly where you want to be. I'll see you guys a little bit later today. Hit the thumbs up on your way out. We'll see you next time right here on Pre-Market Prep.